Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Uh, welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. We are recording at USA Football's National Conference in Louisville, and uh, joining me, he's about to to go on field here and do some stuff, but joining me is a repeat performer on the podcast, good friend of the podcast, Will Hewlett. Will, great to have you here. Man, thanks for thanks for having me back on. It's good to good to be back and talk some ball. Yeah, I know this this kind of thing you enjoy, right? Some guys uh, have these live field demos and it's like, man, you know, what am I to do out there? I've never been on a live field, but you know, you've done them before now for us, and so you go out there and it's your show. Yeah, it, I mean, that's where I spent my life for the last 15 years is figuring out how to uh, fill, you know, considerable amounts of time with, you know, drills and and a lot of self-discovery there and and moments. But that it's a natural transition to jump on the field and and show coaches different ways and maybe better ways to do things. So I'm thinking to a, a couple years back. And I can't remember if we recorded it, but I know we at least talked about it before uh, we got going. It was this whole thing called the Quarterback Collective, and, and at the time I didn't know what it was. I had to have you explain it to me. But what's been neat now is we were out in, in L.A. in July at the Quarterback Collective Invitational, right. which is the one event they have every year. And what an incredible event. The, the teaching, the learning, not just – coach the player but between all the coaches and everybody networking there just incredible I couldn't have really explained what it was going to be you know three years ago but it's every year it's evolved into now what we think is is the the premier quarterback event in the nation I think with the level of coaches I mean you know the networking is 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 even more amazing considering I think McVeigh found his offensive coordinator there this year. So that's kind of neat, you know. Right. But it's it's a blessing to be out there with those those coaches and and um, you know some of the athletes um, that we have out there. It's it's fun to watch and be a part of. So yeah. I've definitely learned a lot. And, and it's, it, it was fun. I mean, you have you know Matt Lafleur out there, Sean McVeigh. You know, some some coordinators from around the league, you're know, risking Grello, and just to, to go out there and hear them coach. I mean, you know, McDaniel's, Mike right. McDaniel's, like these guys are where they are yeah. for a reason. I mean, they they can coach. Yes. They really know what to do with these athletes. I mean, and these are kids that they they don't know. It's not their team. They've just been out there, but right. you see them out there working, and you know, just in a couple of days, really making a difference for these guys. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really interesting too because you know if if you didn't play in the NFL and you didn't coach in the NFL, it's like what really goes on. And I think one of the good things is is it still is just football, but definitely the 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 thought and the and the time and the delivery methods that are used have been you know it's it's a noticeable difference. And 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 there's there's coaches out there I believe that um, you know do just such a great job at. at at also filtering down the information so the high school kids are going to be able to take that and, and utilize it, you know, on Friday nights. And, and if not, when they go on to college, they're going to have a little leg up, you know, on the competition. Just understanding the game from a, you know, a, a more thorough and uh, thought-out process. Well, and, and that's, you know, that's what this is all about here at National Conference is 
really what we're doing with the football development model, which is, you know, designed to teach kids from the youngest level how to learn in a progression and to help better support youth coaches and, you know, just make the game better. And what was neat as we sat down and talked with coaches out there at QB Collective was, boy, they really share that philosophy of, of how things need to be done. And, you know, it's neat now that you get that group, you, you get like a PhD level kind of guy here really saying this is the way to do things. Yeah, I think, you know, football uh, sometimes its biggest enemy is itself and and just, you know, that, that mindset of, well, this is the way things have been done and we're going to continue to do that way. And then all of a sudden you, you learn and, and get exposed to a guy at the highest level and say, yeah, we used to do it like that, but this is a better way to do it. And I think that credibility that comes with that level of coaching you know, when a youth coach can hear that, oh, wow, we don't, you know, lead with the crown of our head on a tackle anymore, or we, you know, we believe quarterbacks should warm up like this. I think that that holds a lot of weight, and the game needs that, you know, that top-down filtered instruction to all levels. Keep building it. Yeah, what's what's been neat, you know, I think I've known you now since 2009, worked one of Darren Slack's camps. He was out in Columbus, Ohio. Speaking of which, you know, the, the partnership with, you know, Darren Slack, Quarterback Academy, whatever, became NFA, National Football Academies, now has basically merged with yeah. Quarterback Collective. Yeah. So I'm really ex- excited to see what's happening there, too. But, you know, the, the evolution of this, though, the way that you were teaching things in 2009, like you are not doing that the same way anymore. You've yeah. evolved as a coach, too, in how you've looked at this game. Yeah, you, you have to. You know, it's it's – you, you got to evolve as a coach. I, you know, I, my philosophy still is, is student first, teacher second. And it, I think it's, it's difficult a lot of the times for a coach to, to, you know, accept that maybe you've been teaching it incorrectly or you feel that, you know, you get emotionally attached to some things that, you know, you, you contribute to success of either athletes you've coached or the way that you've played. And then you realize, wow, there's, there's either a better way to do it or there's someone that knows better. And so every year I've, I've you know, self-scouted my approach in coaching and, you know, you keep, keep growing as a coach. And, and so, you know, every, every opportunity I get to present, hopefully I can help some other coaches as well kind of have these self-discoveries on, right. on, you know, whether it's mechanics or just technique or how to organize individual time. I just think that there's, you know, we can, we can do better as coaches overall. Yeah, and, and you, you've always... You know, I have seen you out there learning. You take a humble approach to this, and you want to share what's better. And, you know, that's kind of what you're doing here, right? Yeah. Taking a look at um, what do we do with our quarterback drills, our individual time, yes. our, how do we structure practices for these guys. And, you know, today if you're going to be effective at coaching, if you're going to get a leg up on, you know, the opponent, if you're going to serve your kids well, you better be efficient with the time and think about what are the things you're doing and what are you getting out of them. And we get, you know, because we are – such an information-driven society now. There's everything everywhere. You can see all kinds of drills, but um, just because it's got a lot of views on whatever platform it might be doesn't necessarily mean you should go out and do it. You nailed it. That's what I want to get across. Um, I I frequently get asked, you know, what's the best drill you do? Or what should I change in my indie time? And, And 
it's ironic that we're still dealing with the same issues with quarterbacks that coaches were dealing with 20 years ago. And so have we really gotten better as coaches? Yes. I mean, I think there's a, you know, a, a substantial amount of coaches that have improved coaching the position, but, you know, really taking a hard look at some of the processes that are taught and, and, Hey, not everyone at the NFL does it right. Not everyone at the Division One level does it right. And I, I think there's there's no real authority or, or, or book out there on like how do you you know take a quarterback from point A to point B at all age groups. And and so I've spent the past couple of years really diving into the world of, of skill acquisition and motor learning and all these fancy terms. And I think a lot of times as coaches, especially football coaches, we kind of get turned off by the the you know the the jargon the the terminology because it's a lot to learn and i get it but i'm trying to connect the you know the scientific method to the field mm-hmm. and and that's really been my passion to find a good br- way to bridge the gap of like is there really a better way to spend you know 15 minutes of your individual time than just jumping over bags and throwing at a stationary net and and there absolutely is other other practices out there you know that, that have been taught for years that are that no one's really ever questioned why do we actually do that so mm-hmm. I like I like to question everything yeah you know, and what are some of those things you've seen recently that uh, you're questioning and even you know, working to show that there's a better way of doing any kind of methods drills or sure sure um, I think is the you know overall I think the problem with the quarterback position a lot of times is as coaches we always feel that the best way to coach is coach everything right and and we're always giving some kind of instruction and and we think that instruction is making our athletes better but you know true learning you know athletes learn in an environment where they can self-discover and all the biggest moments I've had as a coach or even outside of it coaching you know you watch your children when they finally figure out how to tie their shoelaces you know when they they spend two hours out in the basketball court and they finally figure out how to do a layup and and so as a coach i think understanding that you know we want guidelines we want we want to give kids the ability to adapt you know not every repetition has to be the same and you know i think the problem with traditional methodology is when we you know when we have a more linear approach when it's like block coaching we feel like we see improvement rep to rep where when we're talking, you know, long-term development for quarterbacks, who's going to be the best at the end of the day? You can use the example right now, a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, he wasn't a highly rated prospect out of high school, probably because he was a little clunky in some areas and he was so varied with arm angles. And and so that may not be appealing to the eye immediately, but look at the effect of it, you know, eight years later. And yes, we don't all have Patrick Mahomes, but I think we can take away from the philosophy of, you know, giving kids more freedom, you know, kind of finding that sweet spot of, of success to failure. Um, you know, it's, if a kid doesn't get, you know, the drill right or the movement right, it doesn't mean he's not getting better, you know. And so understanding that as, as a coach, I think, is, has helped me produce better results on the field and kind of want to continue to share that. So um, we're not going to be able to see it, but I think you can talk us through a lot of these, these points you're sharing here this weekend. But, you know, Talk us through, you know, your, your presentation here and the main points of what you're going to go over. Yeah, so we're going to jump into, you know, kind of a, a modernized approach to individual time and how to kind of build your quarterback into 
a playmaker and not a robot. And, and so the classroom portion, we're going to focus on more of the specifics of understanding, you know, what it really takes to build a, a drill. What, what, are the, what, are the, what defines a drill that's going to help transfer from, from the, you know, the field into the game? I think we often, as, as coaches, we design drills and we see the kid getting better within the drill, but they're not really getting better at playing quarterback. They're getting better at the drill. And an example would be, you know, a traditional bag shuffling drill where you're always moving your back foot first. And it's a, a pre-planned movement. And, you know, after doing that, if you do that every indie dance and everyday drill for 10 weeks out of the year, you know, you're not getting better at footwork because you're shuffling through bags. And understanding that, that, that you know, true quarterback play is about, you know, reacting to stimulus. You know, as a coach, we need to understand the difference between block and random practice. Um, you know, and, and so we're going to jump into those subjects in the classroom. And then on the field, I, I want to present some, you know, I want to give the coaches some tangible things to take away with them. You know, how we want to warm up a quarterback. You know, some of the methods that have been popularized through baseball. Tom House with the National Pitching Association, I think, has done a phenomenal job of putting arm care and arm health at the forefront of, as quarterbacks as well. And, you know, looking at how we can prime and, and model the movements that are going to make us better throwers. And then some of the, the, the drills that, that I've utilized in my personal training that I use for, hey, I'm developing this kid to be drafted in the NFL or I'm trying to get this 13-year-old ready to be a great eighth-grade quarterback. And so individual time, you know, kind of the progression, where you start, what, what are some, some good drills that, that produce you know, there's the, I try to, I, this concept I use is decision, distraction, and pressure are, are elements that we want every drill to contain right. a piece of, right? right? And so instead of having it just, again, one of those pre-planned, isolation-focused drills that the kid is, you know, bored out of his mind doing, you know, how do we create stimulus to, yeah. to help them evolve as, as a player, not as, not as a, drill, a drill athlete? Right. That, I think that's the important word you used is, is stimulus as part of these drills. And I do think there's a place, you know, you look at how you install anything in this game, like you're going to teach that, I guess, ideal pattern, right, that Absolutely. goes to it. Sure. But that should not necessarily become your quote-unquote everyday right. drill. An important part really for any position, but I think, you know, traditionally we maybe haven't included a lot of that, is the stimulus part of it. And as I look, I look back to, you know, everything being done in the quarterback collective, uh, you know, with, with uh, these NFL coaches out there, I can't think of a, a single drill after warm-up that you guys did that did not include some stimulus and then the yes. other elements that yes. you mentioned as well. Exactly. I think there's, there's a place, and I think, you know, people can interpret it as that I hate everything to do with a bag and a ladder. I just think there's limitations. There's a there's a place for drills with you know cones and and you know with younger quarterbacks when you're trying to control things and they're just learning how to put one foot in front of the other, you know, constraining that environment a little bit with some bags can certainly be helpful, especially for the confidence. So maybe it's just getting them kind of you know firing all cylinders warmed up. But there has to be an evolution. You know, there's almost a philosophy that an everyday drill you know, really should be an every other day drill, right? You want to have more variety, um, 
you know, again, there's no two repetitions that are ever the same. So we want to encourage that throughout. We want to have that context, um, you know, layered into our teaching as well. So important elements of, of building a drill, which is, you know, going to be one of your talks here. Yeah. And you said it, uh, decision, distraction, pressure. Right. So talk to us about, you know, creating drills with those three elements. Yeah. So, I mean, I think some of the standards that I subscribe to when, it, you know, I, if, if a drill doesn't have a decision, some kind of decision, and we want the quarterback to have to have some kind of process every drill opportunity we get. So, you know, besides the initial warm-up and getting kind of the arm firing and the hips firing and, and the lower body synced up, once you move past that, we want to understand that, you know, football is a, a complex game. And, and complexity is essentially layered decision-making. So I would encourage coaches to evaluate their drills. Does my quarterback have to make a decision from A to B or A, B, C, or, or maybe it's red or yellow, whatever the, the case may be. And so that's you know one layer of complexity. And then the more complexity you have, the closer it gets to the game. So then we're going to add in in some kind of distraction. Uh, maybe that's uh, pocket movement. Maybe that's music. You know, maybe that's having to relay a play and then then make a decision post snap. And then I think pressure and pressure can be looked at from a, a number of different ways. It, pressure can be simply we have this much time to complete this progression, and maybe that's footwork related, or it can be human pressure. And and I think. We're always looking for maybe a fancy way to accomplish that, but I always try to encourage coaches, use people when you can, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you can avoid using a, a bag or a noodle or something, you know, use yourself, you know, yeah. because that's, that is representative of the game. And so I think we tend to mistake making, there's a difference between complexity and being difficult, you know? Something can be difficult, but not complex. Mm -hmm. And so, you want to look at the game as a very complex game. And if you want your skills to transfer to Friday nights or Saturdays, you know, the bridge, the gap between those, you need context and, and complexity in, in every drill yeah, you do. Yeah, that's, I think, important to remember. Really at, at every level, it's just going to be yeah. you know, more complex than it goes. The, the, the game is never played outside of context. Right. And there's, again, as you, you layer this in and you want your players to understand context more and more, like, you know, your flag football quarterback yeah. uh, might not necessarily be in tune all the time with down and distance or those kinds of things. But as we start to get older, we want to layer down and distance. We want to layer time in the game. We want to understand score differential, exactly. what we need to do in all these things. So it becomes more and more in the in the context of it that you're going to build. But you know, the, the, the game has context, which means that the drills yeah. should as well. That exactly. It, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is create you know, drills that don't relate in any way, don't yeah. have context and that's, the game. And that's, that's my point, I think, as, as coaches, you know, indie time is, has become kind of a parking space for a coach to sit back and, hey, we're going to do this drill. And, and when you really break it down, none of the movements actually represent anything that happens in a game at all. We're on a different timeline. We're at a stationary target. Um, you know, we're, we're doing things with our lower body that don't match. 
you know, humans are great self-organizers, and so sometimes a coach can be their own worst enemy and create movement patterns that aren't. Like the whole, you know, good old back foot first pattern. I mean, you know, we've evolved from, you know, running to for our lives from wild animals thousands of years ago you know with movement patterns that have worked effectively back foot first though yeah exactly <laughs> the car's coming move your back foot first it's just that we don't work like that so you know i think there's uh we got to continue to help coaches understand that you know there's there's um, some best practices out there and some of the things that we think are important maybe aren't that important and some other things we should pay more attention well, to. Well, and it, it's, it's all well-intended when it was created, but, but you know, the person you learned it from probably learned more and moved on and you maybe didn't hear that guy speak at a clinic again. Right. Uh, you know, there, there became a point. Um, and I was heading into my first year as a college coach when I first hooked up with you guys and I had seen, you know, all, all of Darren's stuff uh, online. I think I had all of his videos or whatever it might be. But there was something that resonated with how those guys were doing things that that cleaned up so much out there because you pick up all these different coaching points. And I think if if as you're looking at things, as you look at what you're adding to, uh, maybe your drill, your individual periods, if you can't answer why with a good reason, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you don't have, I mean, that's. You know, and I, I told Darren this recently, um, you know, that philosophy has impacted me every day. You got to have a reason why you do it. And if you want your kids to buy in, they need a reason why, especially these days. You know, gone are the days where you kind of just yell at your kids and tell them what to do. It's too much information out there. Parents are too educated. You know, there's, there's enough good material out there now that if, if you don't have a way to justify your decision on a particular drill or methodology I don't know how you 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 know you do that as a coach I just can't buy in Uh, I wouldn't want that for my kids and so reason why it's big very big you know I did get get a chance to see I think you talked about it in the classroom and then you just went out and did it on the field to warm up uh, for the quarterback you know I could think we've, we've done a lot of goofy stuff over the year but really became more, I guess, science-driven in, yeah. in how you're warming up the body now for the quarterback. So talk us through uh, you know, sure. things you're going to do in a quarterback warm-up. What I like to think about, when I'm warming up a quarterback, we're overhead throwers, right? We're rotational athletes and overhead throwers. And, and so for some reason, along the lines, you know, football forgot that quarterbacks, you know, can benefit from position-specific warm-ups. And, and so we have to do more than just jogging around the field and then, you know, doing some static stretches for the arm. You can, you can pattern great movement pathways in, in throwing mechanics with a, an effective warm-up. And, and so we like to look at it from a standpoint, you know, just like you would warm yourself up before you, you know, sprinted a 40 or you, you started your practice, you know, how can we implement... Um, body-weighted exercises, how can we get the joints that we're going to be utilizing, your hips and your shoulders and your your forearms, and, you know, so we can prevent injuries long-term and then pattern good movements. And so we're going to demonstrate some drills specifically to those joints that I think are everyday drills. Yeah. Um, you can also use them for, you know, cool-downs. You can use them for strengthening. And, and there's, 
you know, there's other layers to to training you can get into. There's a whole world out there with like weighted balls and stuff, but you got to be careful with those things, you know, especially with different age groups. But let's show just the general best practices of how to get a quarterback's arm and and hips and every and their lower body sequenced up correctly with their upper body, and then helping them, you know, kind of start practice out on the right foot instead of just grabbing a football and ripping it 50 times pre-practice. Yeah. Um, let's give them some things that they can, you know, get better at. Yeah, and. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It doesn't. You know, we won't go, you know, some of this is visual, but the the drills you utilize in, in just the basic warm-up. Yeah. Walk us through those. We always, we start off with a, a basic static move where we, the, I guess the, the na- coin term is a POW. And so you've got your arms kind of up in the air. And essentially what you're doing, you're holding your, your arms in a, in a, in like two, like goalposts essentially. And you're walking and you hold this static position, basically walk to the 50 yard line and back, and, and depending on the age group, you can shorten that. And the static position is just bringing blood to all the joints that we're gonna utilize in the throw and in the shoulders quickly and effectively. And then we go into a internal external rotation drill where essentially we're rotating the, the arms up and down in that POW position and internal external rotation, you can think of it like external rotation is essentially the layback in the arm and mm-hmm. the throw. So all great throwers have great external rotation. A good a good experiment to try is like if you throw with your non-dominant hand, you know, you the reason why your left-handed throw looks poor if you're a right-handed thrower is because you can't externally rotate the same amount with your with your non-dominant hand because you don't do it. Right. So we want to understand that that's a huge piece of of the throw and if you don't get that firing effectively especially for that you know middle school high school age group when they're starting to get strong and their you know their their ligament and tendon strength might not have caught up to their muscle strength or you know they're putting on a lot of weight quickly they've accelerated they're still going through you know puberty you want to make sure you warm up those joints effectively before you you pick up and throw a football then we're going to work some some basic drills where we connect the lower body to the ground. Um, We work on sequencing the hip fire first and then keeping the front shoulder closed. We we do some more static and and isolation drills with the forearms and the hands, basic arm circles. And so we kind of walk coaches through those, you know, drills and some variations they can do, some karaoke versions that are a little bit more quarterback specific, and then karaoke, karaoke, yeah, karaoke. (laughs) Singing now? Singing now. And, but yeah, and then, and then we'll jump into the basically picking up the football and then going through the, the individual drills that I think help teach cues how to be effective throwers. So, Will, for you, I know you're, you're always looking to develop professionally. And um, so as you look at this offseason and the things you're studying, what have you kind of put a focus on for yourself? Yeah, so, so this year, uh, you know, it's always been really you know, focusing on the mechanics and and um, focusing on, you know, how the throwing movements and the patterns of the throw. I feel really confident in understanding uh, the sequence and, the, and what a throw should look like and what a throw shouldn't look like. So this, this past off season, you know, I've really dove into, you know, making drills effectively transfer and you know, trying to be a better coach in terms of how can I deliver the information more effectively to the athlete 
and then get it to work on, on Friday nights better. So really implementing um, more decisions that are, that are representative of the game of football into my training rather than just, you know, kind of being more of the, the coach barking orders and having the quarterback react to my, my instructions. Well, Will, it's great to have you out here in, in Louisville. And again, thanks for taking the time and getting out here and coming out here to help coaches. And you know, I'm excited to uh, see you in July again at the Quarterback Collective. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. And have a good one. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out all we're doing on Twitter at FBDEV Coach. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. And check out our systems for tackling, blocking, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.